of the five can't get it going, huh? That's actually a medical condition more common than you think. It's called resurrectile dysfunction. Talk to your doctor about RD today. Welcome to episode 67 of the Mutant Musings Podcast. It's the middle of March 2020, and we'll be discussing new comics and some classic comics. I'm your host, Jonathan, and with me as always is my druid vibrator, Patty. Here's your friendly reminder that you can leave us a comment on this episode's webpage on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and follow us on Twitter at mutant musings. We have an absolute ball recording this podcast and we like to spread those very same balls to social media. Come follow us to see all the balls we have. Tell your friends about our balls. Tell everyone to come check out our balls. Comment on our balls. Rate our balls. Review our balls. We're letting them all hang out for everyone, and we want your feedback because it's the only way we can learn and grow our balls. We swing our balls for fun, but we do want our balls to get larger, and we can only do it with your help. Help our balls. And speaking of thinly veiled, dirty, and immature metaphors, your anus may be a gas giant, but it's also an ice giant, which means your anus is cold. You know what's not cold? Our anus. Our anus is a hot, fiery ball of bad language and innuendo, and we're just a swinging around the solar system. No cold balls in our anus. You see what I did? I made some innuendo about Uranus and tied it back into balls. No hot balls in Uranus? There is your explicit content warning. That was great. I loved it. Really? Yeah. Good. <laughs> How you doing, Patty? Good. How are you doing, Jonathan? <laughs> I'm doing good. How's our anus? It's all right. Uh, no you know, complaints. a little, a little uh, light on the TP. Let's not talk. Let's not. Here. Let's not bring that. Let's no. not bring that. No. All right. Yeah, we can talk about your anus and our anus and everything, but <laughs> toilet paper is where we draw the line. <laughs> yeah, because we're we're dirty here at Mutant Musings. That's right. Yeah, we're not wiping our asses. <laughs> All natural, if you will. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, so let's see. So what's, what's been going on in the world other than the thing? We watched Lock and Key. We watched Lock and Key. It's a very good good. show. I didn't read it though, so I don't really see how it could have been a horror book, but Jonathan tells me it was a horror book. Well, it was like horror fantasy, and I feel like they did that in the show too, because I read before I watched the show, they're like, Oh, not so much horror and more fantasy. And I'm like, no, there were both in there. And there were both in the comics, too. So, whatever. And we just watched, uh, watched the latest episode of RuPaul's Drag Race. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and what's her name with the clown face should have gone home. She yes. should have been lip syncing and she should have gone home. Uh... I will throw all the shade at, at Crystal Method. Crystal Method. And that was it, yes. Right from the get-go, I did not like her. Because that is literally, I think she spells it differently. She's got, like, a K in there or something, but Crystal Method is literally the name of, like, an electronic group from the 90s. They, oh, they might still be around. She might not know about that. Uh, or maybe she does. I don't know. Who, does you, who doesn't know I don't. about the Crystal Method? They had that one song with the singer from Filter. I don't know them either. <laughs> you don't know the, the can't you, can't you trip like I do? You don't know that song? No. Yes, yeah, the guy from Filter. And that guy's brother played <laughs> <laughs> that guy's brother played T one thousand in the second Terminator movie. Okay. Yeah, I get them confused. One of them's Robert Patrick and the other one's Richard Patrick. I'm I don't I forget which one is which. One of them is a singer of filter and one of them is T one thousand. Okay. But but what's her name? Sin something? Something Sin? Uh what was the fucking flower? Dahlia. 
Dahlia oh, Dahlia, Dahlia Sin. She went home. She looked like she she wore garbage. She literally wore no, garbage. No, that on was a nice dress. It was just like tucked into her ass, and that was not cute. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I feel like I kind of wish that they didn't tell us what Sherry did until after the season. But like now, watching it, and she just won that episode. It's weird. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like it was fair of them to tell us now because then what would have happened if they decided to keep it from viewers is it would have come out later and then every somebody would have found out that they knew and decided not to tell and then people would have been like, Rue, that is some shady shit to not let your fucking viewers know about yeah, it. Yeah, but they kept the shit under wraps with uh, Willem. Yeah, but that was a little bit more... That was just she broke the rules and they just kept her around until it was like a tie in the lip sync and yeah. they didn't really want to get rid of anybody. This was like you did something fucked up <sighs> to a bunch of people. And and really all it's done to me is like I feel a little uncomfortable when I like what she does, but it's okay. She can be talented and maybe also a shitty person at the same time. It happens. I like, I've liked problematic things. I love the band Pantera. They are very uh, redneck-y. Or they, they were. Two of them are dead now. So I'm sure, and, and I'm not even going to get started on what the lead singer has done and what he said in the past, but their music was great. Their albums are great. They're probably, you know, I mean, not like the most progressive people is what I'm getting at. <laughs> so, I mean, it's, it's all right. So, whatever. I mean, we just saw at the end of the episode, instead of the $5,000 that Cherry won, it's going to charity. So, good. Yeah. All yeah. right. Good. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, some new comics that we're going to talk about. And the first one we're going to talk about is Marauders number nine. And this was a very, very pyro issue. It was, it was a this, very pyro Christmas. This was, <laughs> yeah, that's when the tree burns down. It's when you burn the trees down. Yes. Yeah. Forest fire. <laughs> I feel like pyro's biggest arch nemesis should be Smokey the Bear. <laughs> <laughs> But he could have helped so much in Australia, and that's where he's from, and he didn't do anything. Oh my god, that would have been so fucking When are dope. we going to get Pyro's response on For not Marvel stopping fire, do, forest um, fire? Imagine that if yes. Marvel wrote, like, did like a charity thing for Australia and wrote Pyro in there, like saving the fucking koalas. That would have been amazing. It would have been missed opportunity. Somebody listening to this who can draw, please, just a couple of <laughs> panels of it. That would be the, the most beautiful, most perfect thing. Oh, my God. But anyway, so Pyro comes home. Everybody's happy to see him. Pyro, join the party. Sorry, man. One drink and we're sailing back out. And then and then it's Jean. Do you see that? Yes. Jean living her best life on her Phoenix car. Yes, her, her Firebird. Yeah. That's the name I was looking for. Yes. Instead, car came out of my mouth. I wasn't wrong. I wasn't wrong, you guys. She's like, I was hoping you could give me a ride, right? And then they kiss. He jumps in the I driver's seat. I was like, seat. what the fuck? Like, why? Why? Pyro ain't good enough for your gene? No. He's, What's wrong with my man? He's fine, but he Jean, is fine. Jean already has two mans. She can't have three mans? She can't have three mans. She can have all the mans she wants. Ugh. <laughs> all right. Yeah, but then we get into... <laughs> this was really cute art. When it cuts into the fucking theater... And you see, like, this sort of, like, cardboard sort of puppet pyro and puppet gene and Emma, si Emma sitting in the audience. And I was like, oh, this is all a play? I thought the art was, was really cute. But uh, it turns out Emma's just staging this whole thing. She's actually sitting outside, and it's very cold, and 
Bishop comes and, you know, puts a jacket around her. Um, she realized that there's another mind inside Pyro. I mean, if it's that cold, maybe she should wear more clothes. Patty! Jonathan! Patty! Jonathan! <laughs> Why do you have to boob shame? <laughs> you were supposed to be supporting the boobs, alright? Oh my god. Alright, bra? I'm just saying, <laughs> she wears such little clothing and then, you know, she expects Bishop to give her his jacket. Like, come on. She- just bring your own jacket. <laughs> Damn it, Jack. Yeah, I can't control the weather. <laughs> I, can't. I don't know. She's been dressing very, very business casual lately. Business casual. She absolutely has. She hasn't been dressing like the early days in the Hellfire Club. So Yellow Jacket is watching the play play out, and then all of a sudden, Pyro snaps out, out of it, out of this little fucking, you know, play that Emma's putting on. He realizes Ye- Yellow Jacket is in there. Yellow Jacket realizes he's been made and yells no. And then hits the enlarged switch, and then all of a sudden, big fucking explosion. And for a couple of seconds, I wanted to scream. Because, okay, he can come back, sure, but that's not the point. My baby has barely been back a few months, and already you're going to fucking explode him. Like, that's not that's not right. Yeah, so now you know how I felt. About what? When Gene kissed him. <laughs> um, wait, wh- what? How you felt about Pyro exploding is how I felt about Gene kissing Pyro. Patty, Jonathan, those are very different things. No, they're not. One is kissing they elicited with the mouth. The same response. <laughs> one is exploding and dying, and the other one is kissing on the lips. Yes, they're the same. They're no- <laughs> Oh man! All right, fine. But yeah, so apparently the cuckoos are fucking with Yellow Jacket, and I think that's that's amazing. Yellow... But wait, Yellow Jacket also killed Emma. Yeah. He also killed Emma. Yeah, Yellow Jacket also killed Emma. What's your point? You didn't say that. I just wanted to say that. Why are you coming at me today? You started it. I started nothing. You went ugh. You went ugh right into the microphone when I said Pyro and Gene kissed. You're like, ugh, fuck that dirty Australian man. He's a piece of ugh. No, he should get his own woman or man. Ugh. Don't ugh. Are you saying Gene is a piece of property to somebody? Oh my god. Because that sounds like what it, what it's what you're saying, Patty. No. I'm just speaking my truth, all okay. right? <laughs> so, so, the cuckoos are fucking with Yellow Jacket. They, they really have him trapped. Magneto pulls him out of Pyro, and um, Pyro wants to fucking kill him. But, you know, Emma lets him go, but, like, wipes his memory. And I'm like, I'm looking at this and I'm like, where do we draw the line with murder no man? You know, because it's like sometimes we murder no man. Sometimes we murder many some man. man. We murder some man. Murder no man. Murder some man. I don't know where the line is drawn. And I, I don't I don't know. Whatever. But yeah, Pyro's OK. Everybody's OK. They threw yellow jacket into the fucking water or whatever. So and this was my favorite part of the whole fucking issue is Emma uh, you know, obviously knows why Yellow Jacket is there. So she finds the fucking Hominus Verande kids just sitting and fucking like congratulating themselves. Uh, they're fucking like eating a fancy dinner. And Emma telepathically calls out to them with Pyro and it looks like they're actually in the room. And now I see the worth of that fucking skull tattoo because he looked terrifying against that dark background. It was beautiful. Would I like to see him without the face tattoo? Yeah, it's okay. I'm okay with my baby rocking that face tattoo. I'd rather him with that one, but this is where it really paid off. I think that was just a gorgeous, terrifying panel of the two of them. He looked scary as fuck. No, yeah, that it was really, really awesome. 
And then he goes and fucking the candles, the, the fire starts moving, and it looks like he's fucking throwing fire at all of them from the candles, and he just looks so amazing. And he starts doing like the evil, the evil villain laugh. Yeah. And- and he sets them all on fire, and they're all screaming, and then Emma sets it back. Oh, my God. Like, I'm getting goosebumps right now thinking about it. It was so good. I'm so fucking proud of my baby. I just, I can't. Oh, I can't. Yeah, Pyro wanted to play with them some more. And, you know, Emma was like, no, that that's enough. And she had something to do. She went to check on the five, and the five can't get it up. Sad. Womp womp. That's <laughs> the sound it makes. Yeah. So they don't understand what the problem is what's what's going on why why can't they get it working what's what's actually happening here and you know there there are still some theories some people think it has something to do with the neo i think that it was done on purpose i think that like krakoa was told like nope don't let her in because she can phase through and find moira's no place um and find that she's there and she's hiding so i think that that's what it is i think that she is dead, and I think that somebody can bring her back, and I think that person is Franklin Richards. And I think that that may happen. Interesting. (laughs) Thanks. Yeah, so apparently, according to a data page, Pyro got an incident named after him. Beast called it the Pyro Incident, after this whole yellow jacket fiasco. And they had to kind of debrief him and figure out what he'd been doing the past few days um, that Yellow Jacket had been seeing. But Yellow Jacket's mind was wiped, but yay! Yay! Baby got his first incident. I'm proud of him. Uh, the next issue, it says, hush. I don't know what that's about. We'll find out. Oh, and Lockheed's okay. Again, he brought a fish to that lady that found him. Yes. And then he flew off towards the sunset. Yes. Yes. Wasn't hush like some Batman story? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Maybe Batman's gonna show up next issue. (laughs) Yeah? Uh, I don't know. I really like this issue. Um, I like how Yellow Jacket... Uh, was discovered it wasn't like in a real conventional way it was it was a lot of fun playing with emma's telepathy you know putting on this little fucking play to keep him distracted making him think that he killed pyro it was just it was a lot of fun and um it even had me fooled for for a minute uh i really like the pacing uh i i like too how it's not like like the fact that kate is dead that's not like this big thing that everybody's talking about. It's just kind of sinking in slowly. It seems like this is happening over a short period of time. But mostly I'm just happy that Pyro got a spotlight. But yeah, I thought this was a great issue. Yeah, it was It was great. Probably still my favorite. All right. It's a good series. Yeah. All right, next comment we're talking about is Excalibur number eight. Woohoo. Yeah. I thought this was a pretty good issue. Pretty solid, except for a lot of the art. Um, I was not a, a not a big fan. Uh, Marcus Toe has been doing the art regularly. I don't think he's missed any issues thus far. I could be wrong. Maybe the last one I don't I don't remember specifically, but um, the majority of the art in this issue was by someone named Wilton Santos, and I was not a big fan. I don't even particularly remember the art, honestly. I liked that like see-through white negligee thing that Betsy had going on for a while. Glad you said it first. Thank you. Um... <laughs> So Jonathan has been telling me for years to read well, Avengers Academy and then Avengers Arena and then Avengers Undercover. Yes, literally for so, years. So, yeah, literally for years. So I finally read them because he kept pushing me, especially Whoa. like the past like two weeks or something. So yes. I read them. <laughs> I I read them all and I didn't even make the connection that uh, this Cullen was the Cullen from from Avengers Arena because he looked a lot different. They were blondes. 
Yes. They're both blondes, Patty. Yeah. They're... In, their, in the artist's defense. Yes. They are blondes. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get it until Jonathan posted a picture of him from this and said like everybody should read Avengers Undercover or Avengers Arena and I was like, "Oh shit, is this that Cullen?" That is this Cullen. Cuz I just figured I didn't know any of these British people. <laughs> so, cool, cool. Yeah. Well, also, and so this was a a cute little nod. I don't think I missed anything, but you remember in, I don't remember if he was still wearing it in Avengers Undercover, but in Avengers Arena, he had the black shirt with like a a non-Punisher skull on it. In Excalibur so far, he's been wearing like this fancy like British I'm wealthy suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's he's... why I didn't think it was the same person. And I get you. He's been he's he's wearing this little pin I think on the left that has the same skull from that T-shirt on it. It's small, but he's, oh, he's wearing it. I must not have even seen that. Listen, the first time I read it, I didn't notice it either. But when I read it again uh, earlier today, yeah, I noticed it, and I was like, oh shit, it's the same fucking skull. Skull boy. Skull kid. He's the skull kid. He's the skull kid of the Marvel Universe. Somebody out there gets that. I do. Excalibur and Colin are, are fighting. And then they agree to, to sit down and, and talk for a little bit. And he just seems like he's turned into such a little prick. It's been many years since I read those Avengers series. I don't remember particularly too much from Undercover. He was a little bit of a dick in Arena. But I think he turned into a bigger dick in yes, Undercover. Yes, that is correct. Yeah, he went like actual sort of like villain and I'm a prick here, right? Yeah. But yeah, the the team starts going at him. Excalibur starts going at him because he he wants them to like not use the mutant stuff or whatever. And they call him out and it's like, well, it's not like we're using mutant stuff. We are mutants, you know? And he's like, oh, well, it's like me. I'm not going to, you know, use the the parasite. And they're like, well, no, no, you have a parasite on you or in you. We, (laughs) We actually are mutants. And they just start like giving him shit for sounding... You know, like he's about to be fucking like racist, which he is. And then he just kind of walks off in a huff and says he's going to go to bed. Apparently Jubilee sleeps with a, with a mask. Oh, that yeah, was that, cute. Was, that was cute. That was very cute. Richter says he wants to go play in the dirt because he can't sleep. <laughs> that was that was really cute too. But why did he have to wake up Jubilee for that? I, I don't know. So we could see Jubilee in a mask. Okay. <laughs> and then when he goes outside, he hears Cullen on the phone with Clan Akaba. Yeah, racist. He's so, so Richter overheard this and is like, oh no, this guy is up to some bad stuff. And then Cullen saw him, hung up the phone, and started talking to him. Richter was just like, nothing much, just doing some Druid stuff. And I vibe with Druids. I vibe with Druids. And <laughs> Colin was like, my last boyfriend was super ancient and Celtic. Well, I say boyfriend. I don't think he knew that he was my boyfriend. Yeah. There's another anachronism reference. Yeah. I love it. Uh, which was really confusing to me because I think at the start of Avengers Arena, I think he said this is my boyfriend. And I was confused because it did not seem like they were boyfriends. They were not. They were not boyfriends. It might have been a joke if that happened. I don't remember that specifically. But yeah, then then Colin kissed Richter because he's like, oh, you know, we're gay. <laughs> and Richter's like, uh, excuse me, uh, I need to leave. So like I said, I was not a big fan of this art, but that kiss was drawn perfectly because I felt how fucking awkward and gross it was (laughs) richter was not having it at all and colin just seems like such a fucking creep and just like to up and 
do that, you he know? He did it to Anachronism, too. Yeah. In Avengers Undercover. And Anachronism was like, whoa. And Cullen was like, well, you, you saved me, so I get to kiss you on the lips. And I was like, that is <laughs> assault. <laughs> yeah, really. It, it It is. And I mean, like, you know, we're, we're laughing about it, but yeah, it, it is. But, you know, it was just awkward as as fuck. So Richter knows after overhearing Cullen talking on the phone that this is going to be a setup to make mutants look bad and they should not be hanging out around fucking Cullen Bloodstone. So the whole deal, the reason why they're there is because there's werewolves on the property. They need to get the heads of werewolves for uh, the artist formerly known as Apocalypse so he can do some fucking magic shit with them. So they decide to sneak off while Colin is sleeping and go hunt some werewolves. And Jubilee is like, I don't care. Like, they need to behead them. And Jubilee's like, I don't carry a sword around with me. And Betsy goes, well, maybe you should start. And that is foreshadowing. So Colin obviously wakes up and uh, goes after the team in his Glartox form. And then Rogue knocks him out. Then they have a bunch of werewolf skulls. And uh, they find a baby werewolf. They, they let it live. They, they couldn't fucking kill this thing. And, like, Betsy's like, I would I would die for this baby. And even Apocalypse gives it pets. And then Betsy gives it to Rachel to fucking take care of. But Apocalypse was all pissy about it. He was. He was like, oh, I told you you need to get all of their skulls, not just six of them. You had to kill the baby. And she's like, nope, not killing the baby. Yeah, you gotta go so through me first. you have to adapt. That's what you do best. I love that. Dick. I love that. That was such sass. I yeah. fucking loved how she said that and he was like hmm well i guess i'll figure it out or something and it was really cute and and i think this baby is going to stay with rachel as rachel appears in x factor which comes out next month so we should see more of this werewolf baby so yeah i'm still so sad that there's gonna be an x factor book and it's not gonna be peter david yeah but it's gonna be leah williams okay so i feel conflicted about that (laughs) because i i like her yeah, but it's not Peter David. Peter David has been writing X Factor since like before I was born. I feel like they should have give, given her a different book or called it something different because it doesn't feel like X Factor. It feels like betrayal. <laughs> it should be called. That's, be- what, should that's be- what I'm calling it. I'm going to call it X Betrayal. God damn it! I was going to say yeah. That's what it's called. Betrayal Factor. Yes, <laughs> that's what we're calling it. We're not calling it X Factor. I mean, I I honestly don't know. He um. Peter David, he's had some issues, like, over the past bunch of years. And also, like, we've seen him at conventions and been like, so when are you going to do X Factor? When are you going to do another mutant book or whatever? And he's like, Marvel has my number. They can call me. And I'm like, like, I know he, he's kind of like, the, his name is, like, legendary in, at Marvel, like, obviously. But, like, you can't go and just pitch them something. You know what I mean? Like, if you have an idea for another X Factor story... So that kind of, you know, struck me as kind of crappy when he would say that. So, I, But listen, I, I understand. I understand what you're saying. I loved the first volume of Wolverine and the X-Men, right? And then when they announced volume two and they're like, Jason Latour. I'm like, who? Why, is J- Why are they doing more Wolverine and the X-Men without Jason Aaron writing it? Like, I loved that first series. You know what I mean? But you still get a Jason. <laughs> Patty. They're adjacent adjacents. Adjacent adjacents? I didn't mean to say adjacents <laughs> the second time. <laughs> I fucked it up. <laughs> They're adjacent Jasons. Well, I mean, it's close. 
Leah Williams and Peter David all have first names. They have first names as both names. <laughs> is what I'm saying. Williams isn't a first name. It's it's two it's plural first names. <laughs> it's this bonus first name. So you got Peter David, that's just two first names. Leah Williams that's that's technically three first names. Because S is a first name? No, because there's two Williams. First names. No, honestly though, I mean I'm I'm excited for it. And I think she's gonna do a really good job. I get that it uh I get that you prefer Peter David on it. But I mean I ho- honestly I hope you enjoy it. I have a feeling that we will. So I don't even know if Peter David is even still doing anything at Marvel. Do you know? I don't know. I think he was doing like a Miles Morales book not long ago. I don't know. I don't remember. Yeah. So I get that, you know, the team is like, oh, we got to go do this magic shit for Apocalypse. But it's, and that they're all trying to trust each other, you know, that they're all that they're all united on Krakoa and everything. And so they're trying to build trust. But it's it's off because, you know, Apocalypse is still doing some shady basement fucking surgeon bullshit. And, um, you know, Excalibur is going out and beheading these things. And it's a little weird. And not that I, again, this comes back to, you know, my lack of knowledge about Excalibur, but I just, you know, assumed the werewolves were really bad because they, yeah, they, they can wear people. And, you know, if you're going to wear somebody, you've got to, like, kill that person first. So they they can't be good. Um, it, it's, it's a little weird. You know, the tension with Colin, it's sad to see the fucking racism and awkwardness. It worked really well. But it's kind of like, you know, this character that I, I wanted to like. And even though he became shitty in Avengers Undercover and he's just continuing being shitty here now with like human supremacists and like humanity first type bullshit, you know, it kind of stinks. But he, he's working out real well as a villain so far. I hope the baby doesn't turn out to be evil. I hope they, you know, they fucking nurture over nature and uh, yeah, it takes a village of fucking gay mutants. To uh, make a happy baby werewolf. The village people. A pe- yeah, a village people. Peace wolf. Peace <laughs> wolf and understanding. That's what we got. So, but yeah, I like this issue for the most part. Yeah, it was all right. That's it? Baby cute. <laughs> cute baby. <laughs> uh, Rachel has a pet now, so uh, that's going to be the new cat. That's going to be the Oh, what, the Gambit cats? Yes. <laughs> uh, all right, so next new comic we're talking about is Cable, number one. And this issue was all right. It sure was, Jonathan. <laughs> that sounded real. You turned on your sports commentator I again did. for that one. It sounded absolutely... I did. It sounded genuine. <laughs> all right, so yeah. So Nathan and Logan are sparring. So I, what I liked here, though, is Logan cuts his gun in half, and then uh, Nate uses the pieces of gun to cork Logan's claws. And Logan goes, you're really honking me off. Yeah, you are. Yeah. Somebody's getting honked off. Who talks like that? Logan. No. That's a Canadian term. It's... <laughs> I'm going to message Kaylee. <laughs> She's French-Canadian. That's different. It's the same thing. Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. You tell the people of Quebec that Canadian and French-Canadian are a thing. You better do it from this side of the pond, Patty, because I don't want them coming after you with their torches. All right? <laughs> Seriously. You know that fucking they've tried to secede from Canada? Yes, Kaylee was telling us that. <laughs> I knew that before the she told us ta- that. Yeah, the I know first about time my heritage. she came here. Okay. <laughs> well, don't okay me. My dad was born in Canada. Okay. <laughs> so anyway, it turns out that Nate was cheap and uh, he won. 
Yeah, he honked off Logan. He honked, he sure <laughs> did. He sure honked him off. I saw honk and I'm like, is Logan the untitled goose? <laughs> Can you imagine that? You push the fucking button when you're playing Untitled Goose Game, and it's just like, bub, 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 bub. <laughs> I want that version. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they were taking bets. Was it Callisto who said never bet against the Summers? I forget, but her and Gordon were sharing a drink, and someone said, yeah, and I guess you never bet against the Summers. Kid Cable is like, bye, see you later, Uncle Logan. That was so good. It's so good. But then they show us the list of matches that have taken place. Callisto has been busy. She fought Fish. Who? Callisto fought Fish. No, who's Fish? I, I am imagining gills flopping around on the ground. Like somebody threw a fish in the fucking ring. Oh, okay. And she hunted it with a knife. I don't, I don't know. I'm like, did Callisto really just beat up and kill a fish? Nightcrawler and Blink. A draw. Which I thought was interesting. Uh, as much as I love Blink, I would have had my money on Nightcrawler. He's got a prehensile tail. Yeah. And a sword. Uh-huh. Yep. Sword fight. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, uh... He's, uh... he's also honking Logan off. Do you know that? <laughs> <laughs> well, Wolfsbane beat Pyro. All right, so listen. And... Listen. Callisto beat Pyro. All right, so listen. So, <clears throat> here's the thing. Callisto is absolutely... Uh, a better fighter than Pyro. Abso-fucking-lutely. Now, when it comes to Wolfsbane, if you see a young lady transform into a wolf in front of you, are you going to stand around and fight, or are you going to run the fuck away? I would set her on fire, because that's what I can do. I would run the fuck away. I okay. would run for the fucking hills, because I'm not fighting a wolf lady. I'm not. When is Pyro going to win? He's got. He's always gets a win in my heart. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and magic got disqualified. She, I'm making this canon right now because I don't feel like it's ever going to be explained. So this is the official explanation. So magic versus Gorgon. As soon as the match started, she uh, teleported behind Gorgon and gave him an atomic wedgie, and that's why she was disqualified. I like it. And she, when fucking Silver Samurai disqualified her, she fucking she got all grumpy and called him a fascist. Okay. Atomic wedgie. That's how it happens. So Pixie goes up to Nate and is like, really, testosterific. And that's that's a fantastic word. I like it that is. Word. And she's Welsh, so she said it in a cute way. Did she? Probably. I don't know what <laughs> Welsh people sound like, but I'm going to assume cute. <laughs> um, and this kid? This kid goes by curse. This kid is like, oh, we fucking lost Fauna. And the kid just goes by curse. That's not the greatest code name to have. No, uh, maybe she's like a leech or something, but her power is just bad luck. Oh, that would make sense, because curse. Yeah. Yeah, it's not like, you know. She's like the opposite of a domino, of domino. Yeah, yeah, it's not just like she says fuck But it affects other people, yeah, you see. <laughs> this was the kid that, uh, that teased Kate in Marauders 1. What a bitch. I know. That was like, I hear you're the girl that can't pass through the gates. And Kate turned around and was like, I hear you're the kid. Everyone wants to fight. <laughs> I just love that. <laughs> so yeah, so Curse lost her friend Fauna. And they have to go find Fauna, who's being chased by this giant animal. And uh, Pixie gets Fauna to safety, drops a little pixie dust. And so there's nothing to be afraid of. And I love this. So I think Phil Noto is a pretty good art artist. He draws characters very well. It's very like attractive. It's very nice. Um, there wasn't, like, a ton of detail on this issue, but I love this transition of the fucking lion-looking monster, how it looks terrifying on one page, and then you turn it, and then it looks like this giant happy Muppet. 
Nate's supposedly saying, have a present. And it's like this ball. And the lion's like, thanks, buddy. And it pops. And it's confetti. And he's like, oh, no, I don't have anything for you. And you turn the page and Nate goes, fuck you, you fucking fuck. That was my last grenade. <laughs> I love that. It was hilarious. I think it worked perfectly. And uh, Yeah, and uh, Phil Noto is one of my favorite artists. Yeah. The thing is, though, is I'm wondering. I think you mentioned this not too long ago. You mentioned this when we were talking about Quest for Magic. About if Pixie... Pixie's back to, like, her, her just pink hair. And I'm wondering if she can even fucking teleport anymore. If that's a thing we're gonna see. Has she not been shown teleporting? Uh, not that we've seen her a ton. Oh, yeah, because we haven't seen her that much. That's why. Yeah. But so... I'm sure she could. But also, I feel like it would have been effective here if she could. Instead of throwing Fauna up into a tree and sprinkling some pixie dust, it would have no, been, like... No, because she wanted to help fight, but I was... Yeah, I was thinking, too, then why didn't she just teleport Fauna away? And then It would have taken, back. like, yeah, five seconds. So that's what I was thinking about when I saw this. I'm like, oh, the hair's not black streaked anymore. She's not a teleporter. But it hasn't been in a while. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. That's... 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 I want answers to that. But, yeah, so armor comes and helps Cable, and they fucking realize that there's this fucking, like, giant nail in the lion's paw. Ah. It's it's a fable. It's an Aesop fable. You know I, a fable. Yes, I told you that. Yeah. 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 I like the game Fable. <laughs> That's a different kind of fable. No. No, it's not. It's the same thing. Mm-hmm. Aesop made a video game. Yes. In addition to a book. Yes. Yeah, great. But yeah, so the fucking, you know, the cable realizes it's not, you know, a fucking nail. It's a giant sword. A sword? A sword. Wow. I know. Golly gee. And this sword belonged to a space knight. A space knight? A space knight like Rom space knight. Okay. (laughs) I don't know, like, anything about Rom except that it's a character? Yes. Or a group of characters? It is a character. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and was a thing in Marvel like a CD-ROM for a <laughs> very futuristic he's very CD that's that's what everybody CD. calls him he's a CD-ROM <laughs> 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 yeah the only I mean I feel like I had a couple of his comics when I was a kid just because they had like they would sell them on this fucking like spinner rack and like pa- a package of like three and like I'd see one on like the end that I wanted and then ROM just came in it but also the Brotherhood of Evil Mutants, um, Mystique's Brotherhood, appeared in one or two issues. I remember getting those. Otherwise, I don't know like anything about the character. One thing I do know, though, is that IDW is, is or at least was not long ago, putting out a ROM uh, comic book. But IDW has some deal with Marvel. They're putting out these sort of like all-ages Marvel stories. They've got Spider-Man. They've got Captain Marvel. I don't think ROM was explicitly uh, included in that, but... I mean, Marvel ultimately must still own the rights. So if they want to throw fucking ROM and whatever other their fucking space knights they want to, and they're going to fucking do it. They're still using Captain Marvel, obviously. So it's not like IDW must own all the rights, I guess. I don't know. But anyway, that this becomes a plot point because that's where this fucking sword comes from. It's the light of Galador. These space knights out in space, <laughs> in a space museum, wake up and they want their sword back. So there you go. There's going to be a big fucking plot point of these space robot looking motherfuckers coming down to get their sword from Cable. And then, you know, it cuts to like a different place in a different time. And there's this fiery crab and old man Cable kills it. He's got his own data page that was like, I suspect the demons are attempting to replicate the old spell that caused Earth 
to nearly burn in an inferno of hellfire. Like, what? That was neat, I guess. Yeah, Old Man Cable is back. Yeah, sort of. Well, not really back. He's in a hellish landscape with fiery crabs. Yeah, fire crabs. (laughs) You don't want that. You don't want the fire crabs. It's one thing to get crabs, but let me tell you guys, it's a whole other thing to get the fire crabs. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I liked the fight in the beginning, and um, I liked that Pixie was there, mm-hmm. and I liked that Noto was on art. Don't care about the sword stuff. Old Man Cable, never really cared about Old Man Cable anyway. Uh, kind of wanted to see more of Hot New Cable. Let's see, what else? We're still going to see Hot New Cable swinging his sword yeah. around. He's going to swing his sword around, Patty. Yeah, that's true. Is Pixie going to be in this book? I don't know. I hope so. It's a Cable, but it's like a team book, and it's Cable and Pixie. Well, we're... But um, Cable is not showing up most of the time. It's just Pixie. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be Cable stirring Pixie. <laughs> Give the people what they want. What the fuck? <laughs> Cable's just on backing vocals. Yeah, he's a backup dancer. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The fucking the cuckoos are going to show up next issue. Oh, what was with what was with that? What's wrong with the cuckoos? You're not cuckoo for cuckoo puff. <laughs> I guess probably just because they're related to Emma. They have the same haircut. So you must hate magic too, then. I don't. She and has Husk a different haircut. And Elizabeth Guthrie, you must hate all. They of have those, different haircuts, Jonathan. All of those blondes, and you hate Captain Marvel. I am not crazy and about you Captain Marvel. Hate Moonstone, and you hate Colin Bloodstone. Moonstone and Bloodstone should team up to make a bloody moon. <laughs> that sounds like a fancy drink. Blood I want to make. Did you? Oh yeah. Curse of the Blood Moon. Did you see? Uh, there's this one alcohol that's like dark purple and has glitter in it. It looks like the moon. Why the fuck are people drinking glitter? Why are people... It's edible glitter, Why are people Jonathan. drinking fucking glitter I now? want it. It looks delicious. Is this where we are as a society yes. where we're putting glitter in our fucking drinks? Yes. We have to coat Jonathan. our innards with glitter? Yes. It wasn't enough to fucking sprinkle that shit all over our cleavage and all over our fucking penis and pubic hair and no, all that kind of stuff? No, it's not enough. All fucking glitter up the, the fucking glitter dick? It's what they used to fucking, we used to fucking call them in, in school. We were the fucking glitter dicks. And now we gotta fucking, we gotta fucking put the glitter inside of us. Yeah. Yeah. I gotta, I gotta make the inside of me feel like a party too. I'll make the inside of you feel like a party too. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just saying you can make a cocktail with that kind of thing. I'll make you a cocktail. Okay. <laughs> Listen, I can bring, I can fucking break out the old glitter dick and we can get some <laughs> glitter on the inside. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying, Patty. Sounds like a fun way to get a yeast infection. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. At least we'll have no problem finding the yeast. You know what I mean? It's fucking glittery <laughs> oh and shit. <laughs> all right. So I honestly, I didn't have too many, I didn't know what to expect from this. I wasn't looking forward to Cable too much. Um, really, the only thing that was giving me any sort of hope was that Duggan was writing it, and I generally really like what he writes, generally. It was full of humor. It was fun. It was pretty good. Uh, I don't care too much about these Space Knights or the sword, but the tone of the book seems fun, so that's something. You know, the plot might end up not being like, I might not be all a fucking about this, but at least it might be a fun ride. 
Um, you know, Pixie was there, Armor was there. Those are characters I like. We're going to see the Cuckoos. At least I like them. So maybe there's going to be other fucking, like, guest stars and shit that will will make it also interesting. I don't know. Yeah, like the the Iceman book. It wasn't all about Iceman. Sometimes, yeah. you know, your your name is the name of the series, but sometimes you just got to step to the side and let Pixie take the spotlight. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. <laughs> all right, so last new comic we're talking about is New Mutants number nine. Ooh. I loved this issue so much. This is one of my favorite issues of New Mutants so far. So there is a country named Carnelia. Carnelia? Corneria. So there's this trippy and dreamy sort of art of a girl hiding. And, uh, and we learn that Carnelia does not recognize Krakoa as a sovereign nation. So that country is a bad country. Bad. Bad country. Like Wakanda, because they don't recognize Krakoa, so that's how you know they're a bad country. That is wow. That That is is wow. That that is quite a statement for someone to make on this podcast. That's what I'm just getting at based on what you said. You want to get at something? Oh my god. Everyone's back from space adventure, and Scott has some concerns he wants to address with magic. That is a very Scott thing to do. Have concerns and then want to address them. With magic. Uh, right, that's what he does. And apparently the council is concerned about what happened in Nebraska and the dead humans as a result. And Magic is, like, really frustrated. She reminds him that the team uh, of mutants didn't kill any humans and they showed restraint. She said the event was tragic, but it could have been far worse if the team had not intervened. And she is exactly fucking right. And she was just like, that's the end of it, and walks off, and I thought that that was badass. So, so the new mutants find out that there is this mutant child in uh, Carnelia who's just learning that she's a mutant and they want to go help. Danny is hesitant to go and Boom Boom just takes charge and is just like, we're going. I feel like it's a little weird, though, to see Boom Boom take charge of the situation and not someone like Danny. Or Magic. Well, she's a captain, so she should be the captain. <laughs> so she should be the team captain, right? That's why it's called captain. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, like sport. Yeah. Yeah. You got a team captain mm-hmm. and every game before baseball they they go and they the gym teacher will just pick <laughs> two people and then those people will just make their teams. <laughs> That's how sports work. That's how baseball works. <laughs> <laughs> That's why people that's why the teams they have different teams every season. All the fucking all the players. I thought it was every episode they just (laughs) That's how we did it in my gym. (laughs) It was every episode we got different team captains. Every episode in your gym? (laughs) Yeah. I'm so stupid. So anyway. So, like, Danny was, like, really hesitant to go. I thought that that was weird because I remember her trying to actively keep the FBI out of being involved with Wither. You know, because what was it? I think Wither killed, like, his dad. Um, oh, God, it's yeah. been so long. When his powers manifested. and so the Fuck F- you, did. And then, But he didn't do it on purpose. <laughs> what the fuck? That is the ultimate fuck you, dad. <laughs> fuck you, dad. Oh, my God. Justice did it, too. So, come on, guys. Well, all right. Yeah, but Justice took the code name Justice. (laughs) Wither took the code name Wither. But 
Also, I was a little concerned. You know, I mentioned uh, probably a few episodes ago, like, oh, is Boom Boom just going to be drunk in humor? And she certainly is not, because Boom Boom ended up, ended up being awesome. You know, when they fucking land the plane, and, like, you've got all these fucking soldiers, are, like, surrounding this bu- this building. This girl, her name's Natasha Rapina. She's 13 years old. She's manifesting these powers. It looks like a fucking nightmare, and this bubble in this building is just growing. So the New Mutants land, and the soldiers are, like, you know, about to fucking, like, fire on the New Mutants. And one of them was like, oh, who, anybody here speak Russian? All of a sudden, boom, boom, starts speaking Russian. Who the fuck knew that she could speak Russian? The soldier starts poking at her in the chest, and she's like, we help. If you poke me again, you lose hand. And one of them was like, when did you learn Russian? And she goes, uh, fence I used, only spoke Russian. Fence? Friend. I said friend. And I heard that term before, but I didn't know what it meant. Really? So I turned to Google. Yeah. Patty, we're not talking about your fence that you put around so no, your dog I'm... doesn't get oh out of the yard. <laughs> you knew what a fence was? Yes. Oh, you watch like murder shows. <laughs> but like also that's on like regular Breaking Bad or some shit. I don't know. I don't watch regular Breaking Bad. <laughs> I've never seen a regular Breaking Bad in my life. I mean like a regular show, not just like a I have watched regular show. show. I have watched regular show. I watched you, many, a bunch of episodes. You've Regular never show. heard the, sh- the term fence before? No, no. Mordecai, so Mordecai and Rigby never said the term fence on regular show. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> so you didn't know what a fence was. No, but now I do. So a fence, for those of you who don't know, don't feel bad. Patty's only making fun of me. She's not making fun of you. So it's uh, a mover or moving man. It's an individual who knowingly buys stolen goods in order to later resell them for profit. The fence acts as a middleman between thieves and the eventual buyers of stolen goods who may not be aware that the goods are stolen. So that's a fence. Yes. To those of you who didn't know, because Patty knew. Also, uh, why isn't magic here? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know. Oh, you know what? This might be... Oh, fuck. No, I was about to say it might be taking place around the same time as X-Men 8, but Danny was in X-Men 8, so that can't work out. I don't know. She's got some commander shit to report. Because, like, she does speak Russian, and then they wouldn't have had to make up this bullshit fake story about Boom Boom knowing Russian. I think it's just kind of... I mean, like, yeah, okay, it's cool, but it feels like it was just kind of a cop-out. Are you calling Boom Boom a cop? No! (laughs) I I get you. I don't know. I honestly, I don't know, but... Or they could have brought Doug. Yeah, but but Doug was back on Krakoa as a plot device. No, he had something to do. He had to fucking hook up Mondo to Krakoa to, like, translate something. But he needs to be here for translation purposes. Yeah, I you mean... Said, I mean, okay, you said he's being used as a plot device back there. Use him as a plot device here, too. I mean, why you gotta poke all these holes in this story that I enjoyed, Patty? I'm sorry, go on. It's, it's okay. No, I, I, I enjoyed it, though. But So clearly, this Natasha is a reality warper. Karma thinks she can handle it. She can't. Uh, the art is amazing, though. Flaviano, what he did here, how he twisted it and, like, made things out of proportion, and it just looks so weird and gross and stunning and awesome and amazing. And then, like, Karma turns into a nightmare. There's, like, these hand snakes and whatever, like, crawling all over and out of her. And then the fucking nightmare grabs Chamber and pulls him in, and it grabs Magma, and Danny calls Cypher, and he says he's gonna get reinforcements. And you see, like, this fucking redneck habitat and it's a dude with four arms so that must be forearm and uh 
Oh, forearm is like, you can't just waltz in here. And Armor yells, back off. And they get inside, and there's Dragoness, and who I'm assuming is Strobe. And Strobe is like, you're in the wrong biome, ding-dong. She called Cypher a ding-dong. That was funny. That was funny. He's a ding-dong. And Dragoness, yeah. And then and then they just fucking burst into Wildside's room, and he's gross. He's got like a fucking, like a little cat bed, and it looks like there's pee around it. There's like those gross stuff and food and all over the place, and he's clipping his fucking toenails. And they like live like rednecks. And Wildside says, you new mutants are really a bunch of mewling runts that are only alive because they've got horseshoes shoved up their rectums. Of course you need my help, but next time, please knock. And I love that. Because he can fucking, like, throw people off balance. He can, like, you know, fuck with your senses. And I have a feeling that's what they're going to use to, you know, throw Natasha off and, and have her let them go. I guess, anyway. I mean, I don't know if Wildside would be my first choice, but also... Vertigo. Vertigo's not a mutant. She's not? She's a mutate. Okay. Yeah. When was that discussed? <laughs> uh, quite some time ago in the Savage Lands. Okay. Yeah. No, I know, but she's always associated with the Marauders. I don't know. I mean, there could be others that could come along, but I think that's neat. And I also think, you know, Wildside is kind of ruthless. And now that I say that out loud, I don't want him to be ruthless with this poor 13-year-old girl who isn't doing this on purpose. But I think it's, it's interesting. We know that the Mutant Liberation Front are actually on Krakoa, that they're accepted there. They're living like rednecks. Um, we're going to go see Wildside in action. I doubt it, but a part of me is still hoping that some of the other Mutant Liberation Front members are going to go with them. I think that would be neat, too. But we'll see what happens. Yeah, I mean, it's cool to see villains who we've seen, like, five times ever show up again. <laughs> it's cool. But also, what happens to uh, Glob? I don't know. Why isn't Glob in this store anymore? Because I was told it was going to go back and forth. Well, and it's not going forth anymore. Well, yeah, it's, it seems like right now this story folded into one, and it's Ed Brisson writing. I want, I want the part with Glob back. <laughs> we'll probably get more Glob. I'm sure we'll get more of our Glob on. Fine. Yeah, I don't know. I again, I just I can't say enough. Uh, Flaviano and the colorist Carlos Lopez, they killed the art in this issue, um, especially uh, with Natasha and her powers. It was a little, like again, it was a little weird to see Boom Boom take charge, but I, I do, and I get your points about like some of the plot here and the holes that you're poking in it, and and that's fine, I get it, but I don't know if Brisson is going to be any better at writing the New Mutants women than Hickman was. But at least Brisson is doing good with Tabitha. At least he was doing good with Armor. You know, he's he's doing the dialogue and the plot prog- progression for them better than Hickman was, in my opinion. Hickman's space arc was about Sam and Roberto. Great, they're great characters. There's all these powerful new mutant women and you did almost nothing with them. Ed Brisson here had fucking Armor step up. He's got Tabitha stepping up now. I think that's pretty dope. Yeah, and uh, Sam and Roberto are in space now, so there's going to be two less boys. So, (laughs) girl power! Yeah, there you go. So yeah, so it was a great issue. One of my favorites so far. So, are you still on the fence about Brisson's new mutants? Did you enjoy Cable, or did it really honk you off? Don't be testos terrified, folks. We'll be right back after this ding-dong commercial break. Mutant Musings is doing another giveaway with artist Steven Gertz. You can find a link to his shop in the show notes of this very episode to check out his awesome artwork. 
He's drawn 156 RPG-style X-Men characters, and you can win any character of your choosing on a t-shirt completely free if you can answer this question correctly. Dazzler's father had what occupation? What was his job? Get us the correct answer and you'll be entered to win free stuff. DM us the correct answer on Twitter or Instagram to be entered to win. Remember, all you have to do is DM us with the correct answer on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast or DM us on Twitter at mutant musings. From Wednesday, March 18th through Saturday, March 21st, our DMs will be open awaiting your answers and you can be answered to win an awesome t-shirt with a character of your choosing from artist Steven Gertz. Good luck, listeners. Oh, hello there. I'm Logan the Cat, bub. Meow. And I like to start my day the geeky way by checking out new content on geekade.com. After I wake up, Scott. Ah, Logan, get your puckering anus out of my face. The staff at geekade.com all have different geeky interests. So that means a variety of geeky articles and podcasts for you, bub. Meow. Hang on, let me just get this thing out of my way. Logan, do not knock over my coffee. Damn it, so few things bring me joy. Sure, there are fans of anime, fans of video games, and fans of comic books. But what if you like all three? What if you like horror movies and Doctor Who? What if you like Star Wars and wrestling? You'll find all of that and so much more on geekade.com, bub. Meow. No, Logan, don't spray on uh, my uniform. Bad kitty, I need that uniform. It lets everyone know I'm important and is tight in all the right places. Oh, hang on, I know what to do. And don't forget, Geekade also has YouTube and Twitch channels. Uh Uh-oh, Logan, your arch nemesis is back. Omega red ball of yarn. Watch out for his stringy tentacles. They're gonna get you. Omega red ball of yarn. So, you decided to show your ugly face around here again, you tangly son of a bitch. You won't see me coming. You won't see me coming. I crouch. I'm invisible. I'm invisible. And I run and jump and attack. Om nom 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 nom. He's kind of cute when he's not pissing on my stuff and shoving his asshole in my face. Check out geekade.com today, bub. Meow. Nom 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 nom. It is still Dazzler's 40th anniversary all year. (laughs) Uh, We're going to talk about some more Dazzler. And what better person to talk about Dazzler with than a Dazzler superfan? Michael, who we're going to call Mike because he wants to be called Mike because that's what we do. Thank you. I'm super (laughs) casual. And yes, I suppose I am a super Dazzler fan. But, you know, there's a lot of us out there. It's not just me. I'm going to say right now. Or if there's not a lot of us who are very vocal, so it appears there's a lot of us out there in the universe. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, no, and I mean, yeah, that's 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 the thing. You know, I don't see too many Dazzler haters out there. You know, I mean, I feel like there are some people who, you know, just like Dazzler. And then there's those of you, like you said, those vocal people who um, yeah. love Dazzler. You know, the super fan. Mm-hmm. Um and it always like I'm not I'm I'm gonna admit right now I'm not a Dazzler super fan I'm a Dazzler fan just not a super fan but it that's acceptable <laughs> you're not a hater so you're it's all good but what always bothered me was and I don't I haven't seen it too much but I've seen it uh, on a couple of those lists over the years of like worst X Men mm-hmm. how she has somehow made it onto those lists those people don't know shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
Like, that doesn't... Right. That objectively doesn't make any sense. Like... None. First of all, her name is Dazzler. Like, you don't put somebody with a dazzling name like that on a, on a worst list. Like, I like right. Cypher, but that's not the best code name. Like, it's just not... <laughs> It's but, a cool no, it's name. It's it's but Dazzler. It's just it's yeah. it's bright and shiny and yeah. superstar. You know, like that Molly Shannon mm-hmm. movie that was called oh, Superstar. I love right? that movie. <laughs> and uh, and but the thing is, is also that she's 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 objectively powerful. Mm-hmm. You know, like like I love Adam X, but <laughs> but no, don't laugh at me. <laughs> you know this about me, Patty. This isn't news. <laughs> It's news to me. Uh, <laughs> but no, Adam X is great, but he doesn't have, like, the cool, I want that superpower, mm-hmm. you know? People are like, oh, teleport, fly, shapeshift, yeah. cut people and burn their blood. Like, that doesn't, that's not a sentence that mm-hmm. happens. But if you're like, I can turn sound into light and make that into a concussive blast mm-hmm. and, you know, like, and like this, this series that we're going to be talking She's about. Like, I want to be Lady Gaga. There you go. That's my superpower. That's part of it too. Before there was a Lady Gaga. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Before, yeah, she's the OG. She is. Yeah. Agreed. Um, but so what we're gonna what we're gonna start off talking about a bit is Extreme X Men Volume Two. Mm-hmm. And uh, before we get into it, I, I do want to say that um, I wasn't the biggest fan of this series, but. This did do some interesting things uh, for to show off Dazzler's powers, mm-hmm. you know, some like new creative ways. Yes, but but you were Mike, you were a big fan of this series. Yeah, yeah uh, absolutely. Yeah, and and like you, like I didn't start off loving this. So of course, you know, Dazzler had come back in the Utopia days, and Marvel made a big deal about it, like the big Greg Land's um, collage of characters in this mysterious blonde in a silver costume who had no power signature. Who is it? Oh, my God! It's Dazzler! She's coming back! Yeah. And so they used her in some random storylines, and then, poof, we get Extreme X-Men with her as the leader. And, uh, and you know, to be fair like you, like I thought this was an oddball series, and I was not used to the mm. style of this when it started. So, you know, you read the first issue, and I'm like, wait a second. We've got these multiverse, like, alternate characters, like, you know, we've got Howlett, we have a young Nightcrawler, we have another Emma Frost, and uh, and Dazzler gets dragged into it, and oh, we have a floating head of Professor Xavier in a bottle, and hey, you guys are going around the multiverse to kill evil Xaviers. What? What? Why? How? What are we going to do with the series? And, uh, and I really grew to love it fairly quickly. Um, after the kind of like the first three issues set up story. And I'm like, you know what? This is just really cool wild ride. I haven't read anything quite like this. And to be fair, I did not read Exiles. So that's probably why. And I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with it. And, uh, and just the way that Greg Pak wrote Dazzler in this was, I still believe to this day, the most fully realized portrayal of Dazzler. Personality-wise, powers-wise, wow. just for so many reasons. So there you have it, folks. Read up. (laughs) (laughs) Did you Uh, read the first volume of this? uh, So, all right. So to be fair, I'm a character stalker. Amazing but true. (laughs) And I read, and I love Chris Claremont, you know, being an 80s X-Men kind of a guy. And I didn't jump into Extreme X-Men until the very end of it because I was flipping through an issue at my local comic shop and saw that Magma had appeared. And I'm like, oh, she's one of my favorites. I'll start reading this. So I didn't read it until the tail end. And and I really enjoyed it. And then, you know, 
it got canceled, and we had this big Uncanny X-Men reboot with Chris Claremont and Alan Davis that it kind of wrapped into. But I did read that, and it's completely different than this series. Yes, and speaking of that Chris Claremont, Alan Davis that it, that it, that it kind of wrapped into, mm-hmm. uh, that's when we got to see Melody Guthrie with Powers. Yeah. FYI. Yeah. Alan Davis is... Is not that Melody appeared very much mm-hmm. uh, as a mutant before she was depowered. Mm-hmm. Alan Davis is the one. That, fucking legendary Alan Davis is the one who drew her, and that mm-hmm. makes me so unbelievably fucking happy. Mm-hmm. I don't mean to go off on too much of a side tangent. That's all right. But Melody Guthrie. That's all. That's that's all I have to say. And um, Davis draws a really good <laughs> dazzler, like big '80s Bob Debbie Gibson hair. So you know, let's give him that too. <laughs> yes. Also, I just love girls. Anytime that nice. there are girl characters, I'm just like, work! <laughs> Power to the girls, that's right. Yeah. Women, um, wait, women. These are women. Yeah, women! Yeah. <laughs> they're not spice girls, they're spice women. No, they're tough. <laughs> Watch out. Yeah, but um, yeah, this was uh, very much uh, an Exiles sort of premise. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read a bunch of Volume 1 of Exiles. Um, and I don't know if it was volume two or volume three at the time, but there was another one that only lasted six, seven or eight issues before it was canceled and it was featuring blink again and it was neat. And then, yeah, this was basically just like an all mutant exiles. And I really liked the sound of that because, you know, like I'll, I'll read exiles and if it's just mutants, well then you've, you've pretty much sold me. It's got an alternate version of Emma Frost. Sign me the fuck up right now. Are you kidding? Mm -hmm. Um, the premise is interesting because, you know, who doesn't want to see a bunch of Charles Xavier's die? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. What, I mean, and we, yeah, or Cyclops. Like, those are the real two. They're like, all right, these guys are driving us crazy. Let's knock them no, off no. one no, at a no, time. No, 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 no. I, I agree with you 100%. <laughs> no, 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 no. I disagree with you 100%. Oops. We hit a Sorry. nerve. I hit a nerve. <laughs> I actually wasn't crazy about the premise of this series. Wow. Um, I felt like it was kind of like an RPG. Like, okay, guys, we have to beat the six bosses and then collect the amulets and then yeah. go fight the final boss. Like that, I wasn't really... I felt like it was too like cheap or whatever. But you like I RPGs. Was, I do like RPGs. <laughs> this would be great as an RPG. But I felt... Like, okay, who really cares about the premise? Um, Dazzler leading a team? That's mm-hmm. fucking awesome. That's I've true. never seen that before. That's true. And, like, looking at it, like, you know, we had this alternate Wolverine. We had this alternate Kurt, even though he was a baby. We had the <laughs> genie in the bottle. Uh, you got to rub him the, the right way. The genie in a bottle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and any of them could have been the team leader, but they made it Dazzler. Mm-hmm. And that was so cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It was. That was she, cool. She deserved it. She earned it. Like people really, and, and this is what you mentioned earlier in this in this podcast was that people really don't think about like how how powerful Dazzler is and really how important she is within the Marvel universe. Like she is this character that everybody knows. So within Marvel universe, comic universe, she's the most popular, well known mutant character if not superhero because of just her career her being publicly outed and really working with everybody you know so everyone knows her and so it was so cool in the series that they kind of drag her away 
running around the multiverse, and bam, she just is naturally taking over leadership of this team. And she's been on teams before where she, you know, when she was in the Outback era of Uncanny X-Men, she really doubted herself. You know, we know, or I know as a huge Dazzler fan, that she's fiercely independent. She always was. So Professor Xavier, when he met her in the Dark Phoenix saga, immediately asked her to be, you know, hey, do you want to train with me? Do you want to be here? Stay with us. And she's like, nah, I want to do my own thing. You know, (laughs) she jumps off into her van when, I don't know why she had a van at the time because she lived in New York City. So that was like a (laughs) one-scene situation. She drives off in a van. And, uh, (laughs) right, that's, that's, okay, whatever that was. And she she just wants to be independent. She wants to run her life and live her life on her own terms, pay her bills, whether that means she's poor and she has half of an eaten cantaloupe and a box of saltines in her refrigerator, right? We know that's Dazzler issue one. Or she's, you know, in Hollywood. Well, you know, a girl needs to keep her figure. And she certainly does. That's right. I mean, modeled after Bo Derek, she kept her figure. That's for sure. So, so, you know, we have all these things going on. And then so she naturally should be able to lead a team because she's fiercely independent. But we know she's been on a team and she knows how to compromise and work as a member of a team. So it was a natural, natural move for me seeing her character do this. Um, and, And I think it was a surprise to a lot of people like, oh. They're really actually in the Marvel comic world saying, so, you know what, Dazzler is an amazing character and she can be a leader. And they had her do it in such a way that she wasn't just like a boss telling everybody what to do. Um, she was listening, she was collaborating, she was compromising, and, you know, she was doubtful about herself a little bit. And I found that to be the perfect characterization of Dazzler because she was so well-rounded in this. And hysterically funny at times, as we know she is. Yeah, um, I uh, I really I really enjoyed her, probably maybe in Howlet a little bit too, um, more than anything else in this series. What I do appreciate though is at the very beginning in the setup, like you were you're talking about her doubting herself, and yes. and it's true, and we see that a little bit. Mm-hmm. But the very first issue before she gets you know sucked away into into an alternate dimension. Mm-hmm. Um, She's on Utopia, and Madison Jeffries is talking to her. You know, they need her help because they need this this power source. And Dazzler overhears Cyclops sort of doubting her. Like, that wasn't meant for her to hear. And she's kind of like, no, no, I got this. Oh, you do, do you need do you need a source of, of sound? And she's like, no, 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 that's, that's okay. Whips out her guitar and makes, like, yeah. all this energy. So it's it's actually, it's really interesting that it started that way. Shows, like, you know, this sort of contrast, like, Oh, some people may doubt Dazzler, but no, she's like a very capable woman who can like, you know, do these things herself. And and yeah, again, I have to go back to the interesting ways that they used they showed her using her power throughout this series. Um there was echolocation? Oh my yeah. god. And the yes. Wild West, yes. which I never I stupidly never would have thought about that being a thing, and as silly as it initially seems, it's kind of like well, okay. I mean, her power is based around like it starts with sound. Yeah. So yeah. So echolocation. Sure, she can be a dolphin. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Dolphin Dazzler, that's right. And, and what I loved about it, too, is, yeah, and, and that's an awesome point that you make about this series really allowed her to use her powers in different ways that we hadn't yeah. seen before. And mm-hmm. and the echolocation was the exact first example I was going to bring up. And, and to also say that when she uses her echolocation, we also get the first performance of Dazzler live playing a ukulele. Come on, people. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so, and, and and it's cool because they just trust that she knows what she's doing. No, no, no. Just, Professor, just be quiet. Let Allison do her thing. And she's like, bam, bingo, got it. And they found who they needed to find. They located Howlett. So it was amazing. And um, another really cool aspect of her powers that they use in a storyline a little later is um, actually in like the Sentinel, Kurtz, family um, storyline that's the next one after the Western is that she can do make photoelectric noise, which blocks the ability of sentinels to scan the brain waves of mutants. And I thought that was incredible. I'm like, wait a second. She can she can block herself from being able to be tracked by sentinels. That's yeah. amazing. Why have we never seen this before? And uh and that also makes me think think that if she can do that, would that also not block her brainwaves from telepaths could that work too yeah hmm. it, it mean you would think that it would be some sort of psychic cloaking device yeah. that that, yeah. that she could use it that way mm-hmm. and i feel like that's one of those things that also i mean since this series how often has dazzler been featured prominently but it's one of those things that like you you can put out there and how many others are picking up on that because also in this series we're seeing her with these like hard light constructs throwing fucking harpoons through people like yep. she fucking nails Xavier almost through his heart at one point but stops short of killing him and you know that's the throwing the harpoons is something I gen- generally associate with harpoon from the Marauders <laughs> yes. literally throws harpoons and calls himself harpoon yes but Dazzler can do pretty much the same thing Mm-hmm. Um, and that was like, that really makes her, you know, just replace all the Marauders with Dazzler. <laughs> I mean, really? Well, she can make people sick too. Like using her light powers, she could replace Vertigo, right? Yeah. She can replace her. Um, she could probably replace Arclight b- because she could use her photons, um, as shockwaves, I would think, cause they're solid. She can re- force. She can replace Prism. <laughs> you obviously, prism. obviously, <laughs> he's useless. He always gets blown up. Come on, he's glass. He's toast. <laughs> he, she can carry prism around in her back pocket and just Pretty like much. throw throw pieces of him out as needed. That's be. right. And shoot light <laughs> into him and have it go off and shoot everyone else from the refraction. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Get creative with it. So so yeah, she's actually I, I think a lot more um, powerful than um, than people you know stop and really think about just because she's not featured so prominently. And like you're talking about her in a leadership position. Um, and this series can really highlights that you've got the former governor general of Canada in, in this alternate universe that Howlett is from. So, you know, you know that this dude is in a leadership position. Um, and he is still like falling in line and being supportive and following Dazzler because she's so vocal because you can tell she's, trying to do the right thing and yeah and so so that's that's really neat i really appreciated as ridiculous as some of the stories were (laughs) they were and they were very (laughs) very ridiculous Uh, i listen i love cyclops in a cowboy hat yeah like why not but it's just just all 
an Xavier Aconte, Xavier Space Whale. That's mm-hmm. something I didn't need to see. That's not mm-hmm. something I needed to see in my that life. Was cursed. True, true. <laughs> but but you guys have to admit that getting an X Force super hardened Dazzler was incredible. Yes. And that in yeah. that costume that she yeah. grabbed from her, that's amazing. Where is that? Those that boots? that's a good one. Oh my god, yeah. I want those boots. Yeah, who doesn't? I mean, those are awesome. I don't. I don't even like go to clubs. But if I mm-hmm. had those boots, mm-hmm. I would start going to clubs. Yeah, show those things off. Yeah. You should cosplay that Dazzler. Nobody would get it except Mike. <laughs> no, that's not true. So, and I know someone that has. So, I'm going to do a little plug here for like one of the <laughs> best, most amazing cosplayers I know that I've ever seen that exists in the world. Um, her name is DJ Spider. She is really an incredibly, fantastically talented DJ. Um, her real name is, is Spider Suzanne. Spider spelled right. S P Y D E R, I okay. believe. Yeah. There we, there yeah, we go. She's Shout awesome. Out. Super cool. And her name's Suzanne, and uh, she has done this cosplay. Oh, and, shit. I got to look at that. Yeah, incredible. So she is, of course, in the Age of Dazzler group because, you know, why wouldn't she be? It's amazing. And she actually does pretty much all of Dazzler's looks. So awesome. um, she's done Dazzler Thor. She's done Disco. Oh. She's done Outback. She's done the video game. She's done just everything. And, uh, and she has said... That she's going to take one for the team and do the infamous star crotch Utopia Dazzler someday. Because <laughs> I'm not doing it. That's the one I refuse. Like, I'm not putting attention in the front and in the back like that. I'm a married man. That's not happening, folks. <laughs> not to get on a side tangent, but yeah. So, um, all about this amazing costume, which is a really cool mix of disco and then some kind of like an X-Force tough situation. And then we get some stars. We get blue. We get an eye star. So it's like a, a kind of a good like greatest hits costume, I feel like. Yeah. Yeah, it is. And, and you know, it's dark. It is dark. Yeah. Like this is this is this how we meet her. This is like an X-Force dazzler, um, which is not really – those are two things that don't generally go together, X-Force and dazzler. And, you know, I mean – she didn't get a ton of development. I mean, no. she only appeared in in a few of these issues, and she yeah. was kind of just she served as a as a plot point to show this dark contrast mm-hmm. to what could happen to um you know six one six Dazzler yeah. uh, if shit if shit gets really bad in the world and she mm-hmm. and Allie allows herself to go down that dark path. Um, and so it's interesting. I mean, you know, we saw we saw Dazzler's nightmare shadow in the early issues of the dazzler solo series yeah and uh and i love that idea and mm-hmm. this is not exactly what i imagine as the embodiment of that but close enough close yeah. enough and it was it was really cool it was really cool to see the two of them uh work sort of together but also a little not at the same time agree the banter that they had back and forth i found that incredible because you know, the really tough X-Force Dazzler who, you know, had been on this mission killing zombies, but visibly upset by it and shedding a tear, too. Like, she had lost everyone that she loves, and she's just fighting to stay alive and just trying to keep things in check. And, uh, you know, she runs across Allison Blair 616, who is still very full of light and still very positive and funny, yet also tough in her own way and making these really tough decisions. And X-Force Dazzler finally 
steps back and is like, okay, we're going to listen to her and let her lead. And, uh, and she really does, and she learns from her. And um, what, what I found really, really cool about this was in the final moments of uh, X-Force Dazzler's life, her, her power really gets out of control, and she basically turns herself to light and dissolves. She, she, there's this really cool moment where she's telling Allison, and I'm just going to quote it because I have the issue here because I'm that cool, right? She says, <laughs> but I was in the dark a long, long time. Don't stay there too long yourself. And I find that to be crazy foreshadowing to what comes later for Dazzler after the series. Crazy foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, and then she like literally like fizzles out in this yeah. tiny little piece of, of light. Poof. Um, yeah. And also, I, I have to call out a missed opportunity when, when I see one, because <laughs> if this was a Dazzler that was fighting zombies, yeah. like, they could have made a, uh, The Walking Dead reference, TWD, The Walking <laughs> Dazzler. <laughs> I know, right? Isn't that Perhaps. a terrible thing to hear? Yes. That's a terrible pun to hear at 11 o'clock in the morning. It was That's bad, right. but I needed to, I needed to say it. Oh, I, I made a pun like that, too, and I was like, oh, you know, what was it? Friends of Dorothy, F-O-D, fans of Dazzler. It's the new, it's the new fan, Friends of Dorothy. Yes, I agree. Maybe, maybe they wanted to do that, and they could not get the rights. <laughs> so they didn't, that's all I can think of. That's the little save. Like, oh, they wanted to be that creative and funny, but they couldn't get the rights, so they just couldn't. You know, I mean, this was a, a pretty good. This was a good spotlight for Dazzler, like yes. this um, this series. Again, the the pacing of it, um, the actual plots in here, and the characters, this alternate universe. A lot of it was just over the top and and ridiculous. And I'm not particularly the biggest fan of it. And especially, I, I have to say, although I can buy into a lot of the campiness of it, mm-hmm. even though you know, again, it wasn't my favorite. I can buy into a lot of that campiness, man. The art. A lot of the art was just so not good. Yeah, so I I agree. Like what it was uneven for me. Like I think I would start getting used to the art, and they would switch artists for the next storyline, and then they started yeah. switching artists within the same within, issue yep. back and forth. Yep. And I'm like, mm-hmm. is this an issue with maybe behind the scenes a deadline issue? Like, okay, this artist is not able to make deadlines. We need someone else to take over for these pages, and we're going to keep breaking it up. And and the longer the series went, granted, there's only 13 issues, this became more and more evident towards the very end. Like, mm-hmm. I swear there yeah. were four or five artists penciling in one issue to at one point. And I'm like, I, the, I don't know what's happening here, but it was just, it was too much. The final issue, issue 13, there were, there were probably, I mean, I'm not, I don't have it in front of me, but if, 17. Yeah, there yeah, there was there was seventeen artists, seventeen pencils, all going at the God. same time. Yeah, and it was and yeah, like you just said, in that final issue, there was a lot of panels where I couldn't tell what the hell was going on or what they yep. were getting at. Yep. So that's I think a prime example of where it was bad. Now, yeah. for for me, it was more just like the structure of the artist. Um, I think mm-hmm. Steven Segovia was the prominent one early mm-hmm. on, mm-hmm. and. I not like I know this guy's career, but you know, he he was not cutting it for me. Especially there were a lot of teeth, and they looked like flippers. And I'm like, <laughs> a oh, lot man. of teeth, like ninety teeth in a mouth. Yes, just just the top <laughs> row. Yeah. But but here's the thing: I was like, this, you know, I know this name. I know we saw this name recently. So, uh, in 
the la- um the latest volume of X Wars that's going on now, issue yep. six, where Gene was like, he said, "Don't fucking patronize me to Beast." That was Steven Segovia on art for that issue. Oh, really? It was really. I'm like, I, I was like, I know this name. I know why do nice. I know this? And you know, I mean, I've seen artists. I'm not. Gonna, I don't want to go off on too much of a ramp. But sure, sure. Sometimes you see artists kind of like come into their own, hone their craft, yeah. and get better with time. And I yeah. feel like. Again, not that I followed this artist, but that one issue of X Force was mm-hmm. really good, dark, gritty art. Yeah. And I look back on this Extreme X Men, and I'm like, oh man, like you needed maybe some more time to grow. I'm no artist. What the fuck do I know? But I'm gonna, I'm gonna still say it anyway. <laughs> right. And to be fair too, to be totally fair, um, we don't know like if I have not, I'm looking at this and I don't know like if the inker had huge influence too, because sometimes that True. combination can really throw an artist yeah. the, the, the work off or can really enhance it in certain ways. Um, but, I, but, yeah, but I will say, that. yeah. Um, but what I will say about the series is I definitely prefer the art of the, um, Paco Diaz storyline. So yeah. the yep. Western one, um, and then of course the, the, X-Force, Dazzler ones, I felt like that art was definitely consistent, and that was more fun to me. That was slightly cartoony, but dark Mm -hmm. at the same time. Um, That's how I interpret that. And the coloring, the colors I found in the series at first were off-putting because they were so dark, but then I felt like it really matched the tone of the series. Like, it's it's campy, like you said. It's wild, it's crazy, it's zany, but it's very dark, too. This is a very dark series. It's true. No, that's that's true. Um, I, I will give it that. As campy as I can see it, at, at times, like, the tone of it is supposed to be dark. There's a little humor thrown in there. Oh, yeah. But this isn't meant to be lighthearted, let's go party. No. Like, <laughs> no. the whole fucking... The, prem, the premise is we have to go murder people. Yeah. As I say that with a laugh. Yeah! Murder them. Oops. <laughs> My favorite part of this series was when Claw Daddy said, kill Nazis. <laughs> yes, kill those that was Nazis. Beautiful. Yeah, I was gonna say too, and then Dazzler saying "son of a" and "son of a gun" all the time, and then oh, Nazis, we should have known things like that. <laughs> I uh, I posted that on Facebook, and then one of my friends responded that I guess uh, recently in Marvel Spotlights, uh, Fish Daddy also said "fuck Nazis." Yes, oh, yeah, so oh, look at that. That was that was hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but I wonder if he tastes like fish. I, Ew, can we, no. Can we not? <laughs> no. We really? Salty, yes. Fish, no. What, oh, oh, man. Well, this is going, that could go so many different ways. I guess like, this is the podcast to do it, though. <laughs> All right. I'm going to behave now. <laughs> but, yeah, so then once, uh, once Extreme X-Men um, Volume 2 wrapped up, with um, the Age of Apocalypse ongoing series, and then Astonishing X Men in this big crossover, um, Dazzler fell on to a, a bit of a bit of bad luck. She's on uh, a hiatus. Uh, well, <laughs> well, worse. No, it was worse than that. <laughs> Don't make me cry. Do you want me to talk about it? Is that what's happening now? Because I really can. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we, we we can go there because we're I going have there. Some epi- we can go there, yeah. I mean, I, I have some opinions about, about all this. I think we all um, have some strong opinions about what happens to Dazzler next in the Marvel comic universe. So, all right, here yeah. we go, folks. So this was, again, set up <laughs> as this big Dazzler's coming back. As we all know, like, she's gone, and when she comes back, Marvel makes this big deal about it. Or maybe it's just me. 
spreading it around. I don't know, but whatever. <laughs> um, I say Marvel makes a big deal about it. And so Brian Michael Bendis decided, yeah, we're putting Dazzler back in Uncanny X-Men. And what are we going to do? We are going to make her a mutant liaison for S.H.I.E.L.D. So Maria, yeah. Maria Hill recruited her. She's on the cover of Uncanny X-Men issue 9 because the numbering, of course, you know, restarts over and over and over again. And we see this as this big, like, kickoff point for Dazzler and her popularity in the comics. And back to that original idea of everyone knowing her and her really being, like, this connection between mutants and the Avengers and just the world, if that makes any sense to you guys. I'm like, this is perfect. Yeah. The perfect character to do this with. But, big but. What happens on her first day at work, everybody? Do you guys really want to know what happens? Well... She is taken out by a very bad cup of coffee by Agent Coulson, actually. And she flops on the floor, eyes open, coffee spilled. And guess who did it? Oh, it was Mystique, as it always is Mystique. So she, yeah, she took out Dazzler. And what does she do? She impersonates her for one year. Nobody knows about it. So Dazzler's friends, family, colleagues, peers, anyone never notices that um, she probably never sings, right? She never uses her light powers for a year. Like, hello, people. No, wake up. <laughs> and, and the worst part of it all, the worst part of it all is that not only is she just kidnapped and taken out for a year, she's being harvested for mutant growth hormone by Mystique. And Mystique's saying yep. a lot of horrible things to her at the same time. Um, some words, I don't know how they could even put these in print. But we'll just say she called her a traitor to her people. And, and she kept Dazzler all clogged up, for, be for lack of a better word. Like, her ears are clogged, everything's clogged, so she can't be charging herself by absorbing sound. And, of course, yeah. dr drugged up. And it was just this horrible, awful kind of disgusting situation to do to a character that was really advertised as her big comeback again. And and, and, and I and I understand that Brian Michael Mendes really likes to put characters through things. I, I fully get that for development. I get that in theory. However, this was like beyond doing something terrible to a character. Like I can't think of many worse things I've seen characters go through in comics than this. Besides dying and coming back to life. Oh wait, Dazzler does that too. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was just, it was too much. It was too much. And and to, and to connect it to all that darkness that X-Force Dazzler talked about, that was the ultimate result of this. You know, Dazzler is saved by Magneto, and she decides, no, I really am an X-Man. And she is very angry and very distraught because nobody seemed to notice her care about this. And so what do you do when you get angry? What do we do in the world? We shave our head and dye it our yeah, hair black. We, we and cut off our hair. Um, it, excuse me, have you met any woman? <laughs> I have. I've never seen that. But it was nice, though, to see the shaved sides of Dazzler's hair with her natural strawberry blonde back. Okay? I'm a purist. I like her strawberry blonde, not bleached blonde. I'm just telling you. So, so we get Dazzler with this ripped black dress. We get an eye star back, though. One blue eye star. There's a positive. But she's very angry and hates everyone and very negative. And Been there. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, then we're, but then we're stuck with her this way. And, she, and, and I will say that Brian Michael Bendis did give her 
her one revenge issue on Mystique, which I felt was fairly uh, well written. It was one issue, uh, just to wrap it all up, I get that. But of course uh, we know Mystique always gets away. So, yeah. so I mean, to your point about him putting characters through things, yeah, yeah that's that's <laughs> he he certainly did that. He he did exactly that with this. I feel like, and, and I've stated this before, just how much I, I hate Mystique. Um, it's it's not that, like, like, I think this character should not be used. I think that this is such an effective character and that she's written a well a lot of the time because, like, the stories she's featured in make me hate her more. So yes. there's an effective villain. Right, so so yes. this is a really fucked up thing. To, like you, you, it's it's very hard to get more fucked up than this. So good, I, I we check that box. I hate Mystique. Great. <laughs> Dazzler, Dazzler's going through something. She's going through something fucking terrible, and we can imagine that at some point she'll come out the other side of it, and and hopefully it'll be great. But she's going through something. Check. What I, I the, the new look, I Whoa. was about it. I was about it. I love okay. it so much. Okay. I was all about it. Not as like a permanent change, but as a this time period, this is what I'm going through now because of what this woman, just the trauma she inflicted on me. I love the look, so check that box. It's the the problem I have was the resolution. The resolution ended up being a, too quick, a couple of pages, and ultimately Dazzler is basically just like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to let you go. I'm I'm the bigger person. I'm here. I'm a b- and and I I get that, but it was too quick. It was too little, too small for everything that had just happened to her. It it that that did not work for me. The setup was badass. You had fucking like Cyclops was in the room. Although all the fucking the you know the new trainees were there. Fucking yep. Gold Balls was there. I was yeah. like magic. I'm like oh my god, this is gonna be so cool. Yep. And then. I don't know what I expected, but it it was more than what we got. Yeah. Uh, that's all I can say, really. Yep. No, no, I do agree. It was very quick, and I think what happened was I think that we were having another reboot with the series, right? Like I think the Uncanny X Men. I think this was the end of it. One issue later, it was the the end of Uncanny for a while, and and I think people were really complaining that you. You know, you've got to wrap up the storyline with Dazzler. Like, you've got to give her something. We can't just leave her completely broken and angry and like this. Like, throw us a bone, something to say, okay, she's going to be okay somehow, and she's going to try to move forward. So I think that's why we got this. That's my theory. Um, but but I totally agree. It was wrapped up way too quickly. And, you know, I would have I would have liked to see her, you know, like laser Mystique's head off. OK, like, come on. <laughs> yeah. Adapt to that. Right. Uh, <laughs> you know, but but, you know, that that's not in her either. Like we know that Dazzler at the core of her being is, you know, this resilience and she does gravitate towards doing the right thing, whether she wants to or not. She can't help herself. You know, we saw that in her solo series. You know, she didn't want to be fighting crime. Well, guess what? She was always saving the day. Her roller skates were not meant for helping people and doing her cannonball rolling and knocking people out. They were meant for the stage, and they were meant to save her taxi fare. 
that's what those are meant for. <laughs> and and that's brilliant. But, you know, they're effective in combat, too. You know, you can kick Rogue in the face. And yes. whether she's going to throw you in a waterfall or not, you can still kick Rogue in the face with roller skates. We saw that, too, in uh, Extreme, where she got close a few times to killing somebody and could have killed somebody, but she hesitated at the last second. Yes. You know, she didn't want to do that. And, um, you know, even when she was fighting X-Force Dazzler, she was like, X-Force Dazzler was like, ha, you held back. You should have killed me when you had the chance. But then we saw the X-Force Dazzler could have done the same thing and could have killed her, but didn't. That's right. Yeah, they're pulling their punches. She, yeah. said, she said that. She's like, yeah, you pull your punches. And that's that's fine, but I don't mind the pulling the punches, but do some punching. Like, yes. <laughs> Mystique needed some punching. She did. She did. Yeah, she did. And the other thing is, too, that I, that I will say, and, and this is a really proud moment for Dazzler fans is that um, in all new X-Men issue 17, which was actually during the time when Dazzler was like knocked out, you know, um, in the basement getting mutant growth hormone harvested from her, we got yeah. this future X-Men storyline of Dazzler becoming president of the United States. So I will <laughs> say, and I, and I still interpret this as being Earth 616 future. I don't care what anyone else says. This is my Marvel Comics future, and people can't take that away from me. You know, this was a really cool thing for Dazzler fans, and and I will get to how it pans out, but it was a really cool thing for Dazzler fans to see, you know what? People do love this character. We love her, and people love her so much that she can be voted in as the first mutant president. Like, come on. That's amazing. And, And there are some really cute little things here where she thanks Hank, and of course, some of us go back and we're like, oh, they're love in Beauty and the Beast. Whoa. Yeah. Are they having a little love here, too? Because I don't have issues with that. And Or was he just <laughs> her campaign manager? You know, who knows? But anyway, it was, yeah, and it was cute, and he literally sheds a tear. And when she gets on stage, she says, well, you have me all aglow. Come on! That's so sweet! Uh, So, we have this. However, we get to the butt in the story. You know, she gets killed by a fire-breathing dragon? I'm not even sure what what kills her with fire as she's giving her inauguration speech. And as we know, Dazzler can't stay dead. So, herein lies a plot hole where Dazzler becomes president, she gets killed, the X-Men are upset about it and Hank, and they go back to kind of fix history. But they just leave her on the ground, and she probably woke up, I don't know, five, ten minutes later, and said, hey, where'd everybody go? And they went back to change history. Not cool. So (laughs) there you have it. President Dazzler (laughs) dies the day that she is elected. So you win one, and you really lose one. Yeah, that's kind of a crappy thing to do. In in one issue, be like, hey, look, President Dazzler. Ha, JK, she's dead. Just kidding. that's... Yep. Yeah, that's that's kind of yep. crappy. But yeah, over the past uh, over the past few years, mm-hmm. she hasn't really she hasn't shown up very much at all. And I want to say, you know, I mean, she had a one shot, yep. and then she was featured in Astonishing X Men. Um, yep. But but that was like six issues or something yeah. like that. Like not even not sure. even the full six issues. Sure. Um, and it was by Greg Land. Yeah, and I'm I'm oh man, I don't like I don't like his his art at all. All right, um, so I have a couple things to add to this. So um, I'm going to talk about astonishing, then I'm going to backtrack because we did miss a very important series called 
a force that helped Dazzlers develop. Yes! But we'll go back to oh, that yeah. in one second. We're working backwards here for a sec. I do want to comment on Astonishing X-Men because I did actually meet Greg Land at Dragon Con last year. And oh. so, whether you like Greg Land or not, he's the reason we got Dazzler and Astonishing X-Men. So, um, really? Yeah, so, so he's, you know, Greg Land said that he was contracted to do this and found out that it was an all-male team. And he's like, no, we, we've got to have a woman on this. And he personally advocated for Dazzler because he loves drawing her. He drew her in the Utopia days. And... He really likes drawing her like power signature. He thinks that it's fun. And so he advocated and he got her in that book. So I do have to thank him for that. And um, yeah, so that's where I got it. And so that's where we got that issue, the first issue we see her in, which I think was 15, where she's joking about and pissed off at the same time as the guy's <laughs> just coming for Forge and not her. And she's like, really? Sausage Fest team? Come on, guys. Yeah. And then who saves the day in that issue in a wig and blows everybody away? That's Dazzler. Come on, guys. She kicks, she saves the day. Don't count her out. So, so yes, yeah, so astonishing. And, yes, I understand people are very polarized by Greg Land's art because of the – maybe the – the overuse of the same images, a.k.a. maybe tracing, I don't know. And porn. Yes. Yes, that too. Yes. I fully understand people do not like that. I get it. Um, but I'm going to backtrack now to go to the amazing Kelly Thompson written A-Force. Who doesn't love Kelly Thompson? She's great. She's awesome. She's great. She loves yeah, her. Yeah, I'm clapping. I'm clapping. I love her. A lot of fun series. She yeah. does a lot of fun series. Yeah. So so let's talk about A-Force because this was actually the first series that Dazzler was in after all of the, you know, the S.H.I.E.L.D., Mystique, horrible situation. So Kelly Thompson gets her for A-Force. And I've read a few interviews with Kelly, and she has said, I didn't like Dazzler. I was not a fan of Dazzler when I had to add her and put her in the series. And something incredible happened through writing Dazzler. She grew to love her, is what she said. So she was very invested in developing her character. She was invested in slowly getting her out of the darkness, which is very evident, pun intended, in the series. And she gave her another really cool look that I have cosplayed with... Suzanne as Dazzler <laughs> Thor at Dragon Con. So that's just a little plug, of course. Another one for Suzanne. And she really started working through Dazzler's issues. And we got to see her die again and maybe try to figure that out, which, of course, we didn't. Because as all good series do, they come to an end yeah. way too quickly. And and I just thought that Kelly Thompson's relationship writing in A-Force, like the banter and the fun, was awesome. And then we get Dazzler Thor. So we get this situation where Dazzler can see what her life could become if she gets herself out of the darkness that she's trapped in right now. And and she has a conversation with Dazzler Thor about this, and it's really cool. And it and I felt like we're getting her back. Like she has fully realized that she's trapped in this darkness, and she's telling everyone every time something gets better, I lose something. Dazzler Thor dies. Spoiler alert. And she that's a huge loss for her. And she's trying to work through these things. So I think because of A Force and Kelly Thompson, that's how we we're able to get Dazzler. Her one shot in, that you brought up earlier, um, um, 
what is it called? X Song One. Yeah. yeah. And then we get her in Astonishing working out of the darkness again. Is she fully out of the darkness? No. But she's on the road there. And 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 now you're right, since then we haven't really seen her much. We've seen her partying a little bit and that's that's really it. And and it and it kills me and it hurts my heart, I will say that. And yes, I'm being fully dramatic. But there, there's so many uses for Dazzler. We're going to have, what, 12, 13, yes. 15 X-Series by May? And she's in none of them. We have, But we yeah. have iBoy. And we have – and I'm sorry, whoa, people. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't I have know. to start throwing I'm insults not. at characters. No, no, but I'm just saying, like, character <laughs> popularity and power use-wise. How about that on a team? That's just what I'm saying, that she's incredibly useful, she's incredibly cool, and everybody knows her. Why aren't we seeing her around? And I was going to actually ask you that, um, if you could throw her on any team, whether it's announced or not, what team would you put her on? Oh, gosh. Okay, so I'm going to go with my gut. My first instinct is Excalibur, because we've got her with We've got her with Betsy. We've got her with Rogue. She was in New Excalibur, and she huh. can create solid light swords. Ba boom! We've oh. got it all. Yeah. And and yeah. I and I and I know people also crap on her in New Excalibur because she was like this grungy pink look, literally with pink <laughs> hair. But I yeah. felt like that was appropriate for where her life was at the time. Everything had bottomed out again. You know, she she didn't know what happened to Longshot. It, just this whole disaster situation with Mojo World for many many years. And and she's trying to work things again, but her whole life and career had bottomed out, and she's trying to build things back up. And and she was gritty then. She used her powers in a more gritty way, like solid light swords and light shields and photon-assisted punches, which, that's fairly awesome. Like, come on, you guys. If I could do that, I would. And uh, and it was just, it, it, she was in a darker, grungier, tough place, and, and that was really reflected in how she looked, acted, and used her powers. And so that that's what I think is cool about her, too, because I feel like, and maybe it's the musician part of her, too, always, like, adapting and changing up her look, like Madonna, you know. She, it's very reflective in how she looks and how she acts and her power use for her feelings. So I think that's cool that a lot of characters can't even do other than maybe, like, Storm. I'm sad. I'm going to have a thunderstorm. Just kidding. It's not that simple. But you guys know what I mean. And I'm going to get a mohawk. I'm going to get a <laughs> yeah, which is awesome. I mean, that's my favorite storm look. I'm not going to pretend. I love it. So so I think we have that opportunity with Dazzler as well, where we don't necessarily have that, at least with the power set of a lot of other characters, because they're fairly limited, if that makes any sense. I mean, I don't I just I don't know if writers know what to do with her right. now. You know, if they if they know, like if they if they want to make her, as you say, I mean, we've seen her a couple of times, quote unquote, bottom out yes. um, or die and then come back. <laughs> and I don't know yeah. if writers, you know, and I don't know if writers know what else to do with her, if they even want to take the time to think about it. But I'll tell you what something silly that I never thought of before. And it didn't happen until um, I think it was the final issue of Hoxpox when they're on Krakoa mm -hmm. and they're partying and you see Dazzler and Siren is behind her screaming at her. Oh, so I love that. That is perfect. And I'm like, wait a fucking second. Why the hell aren't these two on a team together? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Why can't give Why the, aren't these two dating? Give just <laughs> give it just give the two of them like yes. a Thelma and Louise type of miniseries yes. or something. Yes. Like 
Like, why isn't that a thing that's happening right now? Agree. Um, Agree. And I can't believe that, you know, I'm sitting here and I've thought about this and nobody else is out there trying to pitch a series to Hickman. Like, hey, man, like, this should be a thing that happens. Here's, and we see, like, all these little teases of Daz or, like, a cameo here and Fallen Angels or whatever. And there, and, you know, you're not the only huge Dazzler fan. There are a bunch of other people. I'm seeing that, like, where's Dazzler? Where's mm-hmm. Dazzler? Mm-hmm. Like, I know she's, you know, I mean, it's it's subjective. Um, and I know there are a lot of other characters that are getting development right now. But I just, it just kind of makes sense. Like, she can't just be hanging out and partying, like, nonstop every day. Go give her <laughs> no. something else to do. <laughs> give her something else to do, yes. you know? I don't know. She's too independent for that, too, I think. So my, so my ideal vision for what happens with Dazzler next, and this is something that actually was supposed to happen in the Utopia days, is I always found her to be like Spider-Man as far as our street-level superhero. So she doesn't need to be in outer space. She doesn't need to be fighting aliens. I like her on the ground, like in her solo series. Not necessarily stumbling upon crime. More as now, let's have your own team, your own street-level team, like Dazzler Street Team, and be cleaning up the streets of lower-level crimes. And, And I feel like that's appropriate for her because she can be down with the people. And I feel like that is where she really shines. Yes, Pun intended again. And (laughs) we know she can lead a team, so maybe Siren on the team would be great. And a a few other folks who really prefer to not be in these very public, big teams, leaving the earth all the time, you know? Like, I think that would be a great place for her. And and are we going to get there? Maybe. And, and I think that that was something that, like I said, was really started in the Utopia days because they had Utopia, but she was often doing her own thing in San Francisco, still working on her career, still giving performances that pull her in when they needed her or when there was that big quarantine storyline like, whoa, how relevant is, and timely is that right now, folks? Quarantine. Whoa, yeah, true. I just yeah. thought about that. And they'd pull her in when they needed her, and that worked for her career and her life. And I liked that. And I really think she should be on a street-level team as the leader. That's where I see her. And I see her really helping other mutants right now. And so maybe the place for her is doing that, or like something like her own like Marauders-type team, where she's finding mutants and bringing them back. But, you know, not doing all this other crazy stuff and, and getting yourself killed like Kitty. Or... Getting yourself killed and then having a new writer actually explain why, you know, because she can come back. <laughs> she can come back. But I gotta tell you guys, because I don't know if you're aware, of what I found out is that when I met Chris Claremont a few years ago at Super Mega Fest in Massachusetts, which is a really fun convention all about pop culture, I had two questions for him. One of the questions was. Why does Dazzler keep coming back to life? You started that storyline in New Excalibur. I know you couldn't finish it, and it still has never been resolved on page to this day. So, he sat back, as Chris Claremont would, kind of put his hand on his face, and you could see thought bubbles over his head thinking, question mark, question mark, what was I thinking back then? This was many years ago. And he looks at me and he says, oh, I remember... He's like, Siege Perilous. And I said, oh my god, the Siege Perilous in Roma. And he says, yes. And I said, whoa, okay. I'm like, (laughs) I know that's not on page, but I'm going with that. And that's my rationale 
forever as to why Dazzler can keep coming back. And if you think about <laughs> the X-Men of the Outback days that were subjects yeah. to that, none of them have stayed dead for other reasons, but that could really explain it too, I believe. <laughs> So you hear, you heard it here first, folks. But if you've been in the Age of Dazzler group, this is not the first time I brought this up. So there you have it. So if you want an explanation for why Dazzler cannot remain dead, we have it out there in the world. There's this really great Facebook page, I will say, called Age of Dazzler, and I will proudly say that um, I'm one of the ad- I'm one of the admin in the group, and it's often referred to as the most positive place on the internet. That is absolutely true. So what's really great about this group is that even if you're not a Dazzler fan and you just want to know about her, if you just want a positive place to go on the internet where there's not trolls, where people will listen to your opinions, where there's a lot of really cool artwork, where there's a lot of creative voices and very accepting creative voices, come on over to the Age of Dazzler Facebook group. We'd love to have you. And and, and it really is. like We have no trolls. I will say that in the three, wow, over three years that this group's been going, I think we've had to block maybe five people. That's unheard wow. of. That's nothing. And we've got about 1,200 members. We slowly grow. It inches up. Sometimes when we like have a cameo by Dazzler and Dark Phoenix, you know, played by Halston Sage, <laughs> we got some more folks. When she's in a new book, we get some more people. When she has more merchandise, like new action figures and statues, we get more people. So it, it ebbs and flows, but it mostly ebbs upward in a nice, slow direction so it's not overwhelming for members. So... We love it. And uh, and if you want to follow me anywhere, I am absolutely not Insta-famous and not trying to be. But um, <laughs> my handle at Instagram and on Twitter is M-W-A-N-D-E-R-S-4. M-Wanders4 or M-W-Anders4, however you want to say it. And uh, <laughs> and yeah, and, and just something else I really want to say is that I feel like people that gravitate towards... Uh, Dazzler is a character and just it, I feel like people love her resilience and I feel like people that love her are very accepting, open, amazing, cool, creative people who just want nothing better than a better world and to make things better for everyone. And, and I feel like her character really draws people together because of those qualities that she displays. And, and I think she just really wants to make us all better and the world a better place. So that will do it for this episode of Mutant Musings. Thanks for joining us. And don't forget to leave us a comment on geekade.com. Leave us ratings and reviews on iTunes or anywhere else you find our podcast. Follow us on Instagram at mutant underscore musings underscore podcast and on Twitter at mutant musings. What did you think of Extreme X-Men Volume 2? And are you ready for an X-Men comic featuring Dazzler yet? Join us for a new episode in two weeks, and until then, let's go for it! Dazzler was right! Woo!